All right, we'll turn our Bibles to Luke chapter number 12. Luke 12. I hope this will be an encouraging message for someone, at least. I must be, because otherwise I don't think the Lord would have led me to uh, this message. So, we're going to look in Luke chapter number 12, verses 1 through 7. Um, It says, In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ears in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Even Mr. Shrunks. It's easier to count some than others, right? Uh, And I'm one to talk because I'm losing it too. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Now, there's a lot of different things going on in that passage, and you're wondering, okay, what is he speaking about here? He's talking about judgment. He's talking about all these other things. How is that encouraging? Uh, Hypocrisy, that's an encouraging one too, right? So (laughs) let's pray, and we'll see how the Lord will lead us. Father, we thank you for your word, and I... Thank you for the opportunity to open your word. We pray that these truths, these thoughts, would be helpful uh, to your people. Lord, we all have uh, problems. We all have things that discourage us. We get down, and we all need to be reminded of certain truths. So I would pray that you will guide us as we uh, go through the scriptures. And Holy Spirit, I pray you'll be our teacher today and help me, Lord. I need your help. As I deliver your word, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of my message is Valuable or Worthless? Say, I didn't see that in there. Oh, but we'll get there. Uh, Valuable or Worthless? Do you ever feel worthless? Do people ever try to make you feel worthless? You know, our world is filled with negativity, uh, hate, insults, and failure. Sometimes we're on the receiving end of that. Sometimes we're on the giving end of that. Again, at times it seems like uh, you can never do anything right. You ever feel that way? You try and you fail. And then to make matters worse, (laughs) there's there's always someone there to point out that very fact out to you after you've already realized it. 
and you're like, Lord, I'm trying. And then someone else comes and says, what are you, a loser? Uh, yes, I am. Thank you. I appreciate the encouragement. And, and sometimes it's like, what's the use? Have you ever been there? You get there and you've done something and, and it seems like everyone only picks on you. No one can ever say, hey, you, you, you did a good job on that. They can only say, hey, you messed up over there. It's like, can I get a break anywhere? And sometimes we see uh, the Lord using other people and blessing other people more than it seems that he uses or blesses us. Uh, and then we can start thinking, well, I must be a second-rate Christian, or he loves them more than me, or whatever. There's not much hope for my future. What's the point? Why should I keep going? And we get discouraged. Don't you? Older people sometimes begin to feel worthless because they can't do what they used to do. Uh, a lot of people in our society get discouraged and they begin to think, what's the use of living? Sometimes people get into pretty deep sin and they can't see a way out and they say, what's the use of going on? I don't want to be here in this, in this sin. I've tried, I failed, and there's no use. And no matter how low you feel, and no matter what other people say to you, I'd like to mention this, that you are valuable to God. You are valuable to God. Uh, I'm not talking about the guy that goes around, you know, I'm God's gift to women, right? <laughs> no, uh, sorry. <laughs> you got the wrong idea here. Uh, if the Lord takes notice of the sparrows, as we read in our text, how much more will he keep an eye on you? Sparrows are weak. Sparrows aren't, like, strong and mighty. Uh, sparrows aren't really worth a lot of money. Our text kind of even gives that idea. It says uh, in there in verse 6, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? I mean, they're not even worth a lot of money. However, they were important, and they are still important to God. It says, and not one of them is forgotten before God. So you can get five sparrows for real cheap is what he's saying. But not even one of those tiny little seemingly worthless birds was worthless in God's sight because he took notice of them. And if he would take notice and not forget a sparrow, does he not take notice of his children? Will he not remember us and our needs and our weaknesses? And does he not count us as valuable? Not one of them is forgotten before God. And if you're one of his children, you are not forgotten. You're not overlooked. Others might have another impression of you. You might have bad impressions of yourself at times. But God still finds you valuable. And we even get this from our text. You say, I don't, I don't see that. Verse 7 Okay, but even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. Ye, that means you, plural, 
are of more value than many sparrows. If he watches over one, then he, watch, he really watches over many. And he's saying, you are of more value. If he takes note of them, and he cares for them, and he's mindful of them, these seemingly insignificant creatures. I mean, what can a sparrow do for you, right? Maybe provide a little bit of entertainment. It's like, a seeming, it's like an insignificant creature, and God finds that very significant. Then would he not value us so much more? And he has created us in his image. He didn't create the sparrow in his image. He created us in his image. So even just in that, we are special. Now, I'm not trying to say, hey, you're all great, and this is the power of positive thinking type of message. No, I'm just trying to give you some biblical truths and apply them, because sometimes we do get down. And Jesus was actually speaking to the disciples. He gives some warnings here. We'll talk about those in a moment. But he is trying to reiterate to them, listen, God cares about you. You are value. You are of more value. That word value means worth. So if I have worth in God's sight, then I'm not worthless. Sometimes I feel worthless. Sometimes other people think I'm worthless. And sometimes other people want me to think and know that they think I'm worthless. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they think, nor does it matter even what I think sometimes. You know, our feelings change, don't they? One minute, you know, we're on the top of the world. The next minute, like, we're like way down in the depths. And I'm thankful that God's love and his faithfulness is consistent. So value means worth. And don't let anyone tell you, and don't ever let that thought creep into your mind that you are worthless. Because to God, you have worth. Now, you may not have much to offer. That's true in many cases, and really it's true in all cases. We're weak, we're sinful, we're undependable, we lack faith, we're selfish. There's a lot of deficiencies in us, yet God still values us. So he doesn't value us because we're so great. He values us because he chooses to. And that's humbling. But it's also encouraging. So I want to consider three reasons why we who are saved are valuable to God. So here they are. First of all, number one, uh, we're valuable because of family. Now, the text doesn't really bear that out, but there are other passages of Scripture, and I just wanted to start with this one. And, and, and I'll just read this passage. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So if you have put faith in your dependence in Christ Jesus, you've become a, children, a child of God. Now, I understand there are people who have prayed prayers, there's people who have grown up in Christian homes, and They've made a quote-unquote profession of faith, and there's no change in their life, and someone said, you're a Christian, you're saved, and there's no evidence of it. Uh, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. It doesn't mean you're a child of God. Not every person on the world, in, uh, on the face of the globe, is a child of God. We're children of God when we place our faith, our dependence in Christ Jesus. And if we have placed our dependence in Christ Jesus, our life is different. It's changed. But we're valuable because we're children of God. 
believe it or not, you're valuable to your parents. And he says, sometimes you might think not. <laughs> uh, especially when you're in trouble for something. All right? even, even the best of parents make mistakes, don't they? Even the best of parents are still human beings and sinners. And, you know, but any good parent values their children. That means God is no exception. I love my children. I value my children. And God loves all of his children. And it's funny, sometimes kids, you know, when there's, there's a, two or three or four kids in the family or more, uh, sometimes kids will look and, you know, and they might grumble one, one to another and they say, well, you're the favorite child. You can never do anything wrong, you know, and, the, and, and some of you are smirking because you, you're thinking right now of that one sibling who never seems to get in trouble, seems to always have the favor of mom and dad. If you go to them with an, you know, you, an argument, they always choose the other one. It's like, what do you mean? I remember that happened with my sister one time. You know, she did something to me. I did it back. Dad saw me and I caught it. And I'm like, eh, he didn't care. It was like, you know, it was me. It's like, favorite? (laughs) You know, but God, God loves and values all of his children equally. There's no exception. And God is no exception in loving his children. He values us because we're his children. Uh, Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Some people doubt whether they're saved or not. You know, if you ever doubt if you're saved, go through the scriptures because the Holy Spirit will bear witness whether you really are a child of God or not. And just go through the, you know the plan of salvation. Just go through it and say, Holy Spirit, show me. Am I one of God's children or not? Because he will bear witness. And uh, we see in Psalm 100, verse 3, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So because of this relationship of family, and you know a lot of shepherds treat their sheep like family. They they have names for them. (laughs) And, uh, hey, there's Joe. I don't know what they call him. Uh, but a shepherd cares for his sheep. God cares for his people. He, uh, he's going to feed us. He's going to guide us. He's going to protect us. The same way he does that for his children. He, he takes care of his children. And he protects his children. He provides for his children. He guides. And we're more valuable than sheep. And... God's a better father to us than even our earthly parents are. So he's going to love and care and provide and guide and all of those other things for us. So let me ask you, have you begun to think that God has failed to take care of you? If so, think again. You are valuable to him and he will never fail you because... You're a child. All right, so that's the first point. Uh, Valuable because of family. Secondly, valuable because of friendship. 
Now, we get, go back to our text here in Luke chapter 12, verse number 4. So Jesus said, and, ye, and I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. But look at that phrase, I say unto you, my friends. So who's he talking to? He's talking to uh, his disciples. And back in verse 1, it says, he began to say unto the disciples first of all. So he started with them. I say unto you, my friends. Now, pay close attention to those words. Jesus now, after he's called them friends, or in the midst of this passage, calling them friends, he is going to uh, warn them. He warned his disciples because they were of value to him. He cared for them. And as a friend, and because they were friends, he placed enough value on them to tell them if they were going wrong or to warn them of something that can lead them astray. Do you ever get tired of people warning you? You know, sometimes I get up and, and, and we'll preach a thunderous, ripping message. It's like, all right, just leave it alone. Why would someone do that? Because they hate you, right? No, because they've seen, you know, what they hate is the sin. What they hate is the end result. They've seen so many others go that way. And you get tired of hearing it sometimes, too. Yeah, you always say, it's all these people, if you go this direction, that's where you end up. Yes, because... That's what happens. The Bible says that's what happens. That's what we see what happens. And then we get up and we preach and you, you get tired of your parents saying, hey, if you continue down this road, this is where you're going to be. It's like, I'm going to prove them otherwise. I'm going to stay on this road and I'm not going to be there. Yes, you will be. What do you have to prove? <laughs> so what true friend would not warn another friend. If your parents warn you, they're friends. If, if your pastor and, 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 and other people warn you, it's because they care for you. And so Jesus is calling them friends, and we go back to verse number one, and we'll see a couple things that he warns them about. In verse 1, it says, In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, that's a lot of people, right? Uh, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, the Pharisees, they were religious, weren't they? They looked good on the outside, but we also know what was on the inside. Jesus had said in another passage that they were full of dead men's bones. They're like they're a grave. I don't know about you, but I don't feel like snuggling up to some corpse's bones in a tomb somewhere. You know, hey, let's, let's go down and visit the casket for a while. That, whoa. Uh, there's something wrong there. Okay, and so um, Jesus said that that this is the type of people, yet they were religious. They seemed nice and good and all that. But they were hypocrites. You know, I get a kick out of these, sorry, these new evangelicals. Uh, every once in a while you see a little clip of them somewhere, and, you know, the, the, they're all 
tattooed up and they got the earrings and they got the long hair or they got the whatever it is. And, or, and, and they're getting up and say, you know, God says we need to, we need to not be worldly. <laughs> so what does that mean then? What, does, what, is your, I, I, what is their definition of worldly? Because they're saying you shouldn't be worldly, and yet they are. And then, then what? There's a whole lot of temptation out there right now. You can get tired of me saying, you know, mentioning some. The whole, the whole worship music scene, they talk so spiritual. They talk so lovey-dovey. Jesus is everything. And he is everything. But we say that too. <laughs> and then you've got the, these, these pastors that promote all of this stuff. Again, you can get tired. The Stephen Furtick's of this world. Furtick kind of rhymes with heretic. Um, you know, but they're nice. They're encouraging. They're positive. Yeah, Joel Olstein's positive. You know, and some of these guys, they, they pride themselves in, hey, you come to our church, we'll never say anything negative. Well, I need something negative sometimes. Because... Um, if I'm going the wrong direction, Jesus is saying, hey, beware of these guys. He named who they were, and he said, beware of their doctrine. It's false doctrine. They're angels of light, some of these guys are. Angels of light, if you read in the Bible there, uh, is referring to um, demonic activity. And so he warned them of false doctrine, and we need to take those warnings. And then secondly, uh, we see in verses 2 and 3, he um, warned uh, that we cannot cover our sins. He said, there, uh, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. Get that, huh? You know, last week when Brother Kroll was preaching... He made a statement, if you have to cover something or hide something from your parents, right, there's a reason you are. If you have to hide something and you're doing something in secret, that should tell you it's wrong. And God says, Jesus said, there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. It will come out. It'll come out many times in this life. And I, I appreciated his point also when he said, you know, some of you, you don't want to, to talk to your parents about something because, you know, I, I've got to cover this up. I don't want to hurt them. And he made that statement. If you cover it up, when it comes out, it'll hurt them more. It'll hurt them more that you didn't trust them enough to help you. It'll hurt them more because you're going to get further down the road in something, and it'll be harder to fix it. There's a whole lot of reasons there. So Jesus is warning this. He says, Neither hid that shall not be known. In verse 3, Therefore whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. Whatever you spoke in the, on a Snapchat. Oh, it goes away. <laughs> no, it doesn't. 
It's written indelibly in God's books. It will come up at the judgment day. Oh, it's gone. No. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets, shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. It's going to come out. And so Jesus is just being a friend. And he's warning his disciples. He said, just so you know, be careful what you say. Be careful what you do. Don't try to cover things up. Watch out for the false doctrine. It's going to get you. It's going to come out. And what doesn't get come out now will come out in the judgment. And then, in verses 4 and 5, he warned them to fear God, not man. So, he said, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and afterward have no more that they can do. To you, can do. Well, that seems like quite a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> if, if, if they kill me, that's, that's a lot. What do you mean, don't fear them? No, don't fear them. Fear God. Now, some people think verse 5 is talking about the devil. It's not talking about the devil. It's talking about God. He says, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. See, the devil can't cast people into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. That word fear is the word phobia, which means to continually be aware of something. Just be continually aware that God is there, that God is watching. Just be con- that's the idea of phobia. Just be continually aware of it. Uh, someone might have a phobia of snakes. And if you lived in Africa, you would continually be aware that there were snakes, dangerous, poisonous, deadly snakes out there that could bite you or your family. It's like, oh, yes. So by definition, I guess I fear snakes. Because <laughs> I would walk out my, I'd walk out my house and I'm just always scanning the yard. Because my kids ran around the yard. I wanted them to run around in the yard. But I'm always scanning. And every once in a while, I was like, oh, there's one there. Uh, but that's not a bad thing, is it? To be continually aware. I remember coming home one time. And the kids were over there playing, and I was, came home and said, hey, kids. And then I'm seeing them playing over here. Then I'm seeing over here. We had a sprinkler set up to keep the, the grass green during the dry season. And there was a snake perched like this with his mouth open, getting some water when the sprinkler came by. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, kids there playing in the orchard, snake there. Kids, I didn't want to frighten them too much. I said, just stay there. Don't leave, you know, the snake was over here. He was preoccupied. I ran and got my shotgun, came out, boom, (laughs) bye-bye snake. Uh, And so having that phobia, having that continual awareness that there was danger in my yard, was that a bad thing or a good thing? It was actually a good thing. It protected my family from harm. Having a phobia in that sense of God, being continually aware that he's there to to see what you're looking at, 
to watch who you're hanging with, listening to what you say, is not a bad thing. It'll actually help you in eternity. It'll help curb us from doing some things we shouldn't do. And so why does God do this? Why is Jesus warning them? Because they were his friends. Are you starting to see? He valued his friends. And part of valuing someone is warning them. I get it. Sometimes we, we see our friends doing something or saying something that they're just, it's just not right. You're like, man, I just, I'll just leave it alone. Are you their friend? Don't leave it alone. Now, we don't have to be a jerk about it. <laughs> we can actually be concerned and say, hey, I saw something or I heard something. Just maybe be careful of this and show some concern. So if you have something of value and, and, and it's broken, do you just throw it away? Or what if, it's, what if you're able to fix it? Is it worth fixing? What if you have a nice car? You know, not like the typical college car. I know some college kids have nice cars. Parents gave you a nice car to come off to school with or something. Some of you worked real hard. Get it. But that, that typical one that's worth about two grand and the transmission goes out on it and it costs four grand to fix. Probably not fixing it. Take it to the junkyard, get a few hundred bucks out of it, amen? Uh, or sell it to an unsuspecting college student. No, 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 no. A freshman, hey, I've got a bargain for you. It only goes in reverse, but it'll get you there. No, uh, you, you would spend the money and get it fixed because it would be a lot cheaper to fix the car if it's a valuable car. In the same way, uh, sometimes we get a little bit out of sorts, don't we? And we need a little bit of work. That's why it's good when we have parents who will work on us why we have staff members who will work on us. That's why it's good that we have a heavenly father who will use those people and others to work on us. And why? Because the Lord values us. He'll correct us through chastening. Why? Because he wants to restore us to usefulness. Uh, parents have the go that goal for their children. Pastors have that goal for their, for their people. Uh, and we're told... Uh, Despise not, this is Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. Despise not the chastening of the Lord. Do you like getting corrected? How about when you were a kid and you got a spanking? Oh, it was so good, wasn't it? No, you didn't like it. But don't despise any correction like that. Uh, Neither be weary of his correction, for whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. So don't despise being corrected. It's a sign that someone loves you. And it's a sign that you're valuable to them. 
And we get it all wrong, don't we? we our flesh is so tainted. You're against me because you've confronted me with something. You hate me because you limit me. You despise me because you tell me I can't do this or you point, me, point out that I'm wrong somewhere. That's not hatred. It's a sign that someone values you and wants the best for you. And by the way, sometimes some correction can be pretty tough. It can be pretty severe. And sometimes it needs to be. Because we're knuckleheads. And we don't, we don't get it. And if we don't get it, it gets dialed up a little bit. All right, see if you take it this time. Oh, you won't? <laughs> okay. And so when you're corrected, don't think that someone hates you. Don't think someone's belittling you. And by the way, sometimes the people who are correcting you, they may have the right intention. Sometimes it always doesn't come out right because they're human too. But take the correction. You're being loved by someone who values you. All right, so... Are you valuable or worthless in God's sight? You're valuable. You're valuable because of family. You're valuable because of friendship. And you're valuable because of function. Uh, in John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So what do branches do? Yeah, they bear fruit. If you're a Christian, you are a branch. So I don't want to bear fruit for God. It doesn't matter. That's what he wants you to do. And if you don't want to do that, then you can read through John 15 and see he's going to work to, bring, uh, to bear fruit. He's not just going to give up because, oh, I don't want to bear fruit. You are value to him because you can produce fruit for him. Oh, no, there's some people, they, they're just good at witnessing. And, and God use, seems to use some people to, to win souls. And, and I just, he doesn't seem to give me fruit. He doesn't seem to use me. And some people this and some people. God can use anybody and wants to use everybody to bear fruit. He said in John 15, 16, he said that uh, he said, ye are, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. I like that. He's chosen me. He's chosen you and ordains you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that, what's, that whatsoever ye shall ask of my Father in my name, he may give it you. So we can live a fruitful life. We can do that through prayer. Uh, and when we do, God's glorified. That makes us valuable when we pray for others, when we intercede for the needs of others. It makes us valuable when we shine our light. He said, let your light so shine before men that, ye may see that he, they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we all can shine our lights by doing good works, helping the brethren, loving one another, being kind, compassionate. When we do that, we're glorifying God. We're valuable. So, Getting ready to quit and give up and go do our own thing, that's not valuable. That's actually the worthless thing. But we're not worthless. We are valuable. And we need to live up to the value that God has placed on us.
So wherever you are, let your light shine. Be a good testimony for the Lord. You can do that by having a good attitude when corrected. When things don't go your way. When you're struggling. When you studied for that test and you still bombed it. And then you get in trouble for bombing it. But I studied. I prayed. Study and pray some more. Are you kind? Do you witness? Do you pass out tracts? You see, you're of more value than a sparrow because God created each and every one of you to fulfill a unique purpose. Taking yourself out of the picture. I'm not going to serve God. I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up. I'd be better off and everyone else would be better off if I wasn't here. No, no, no. No, no, no. We have a unique role to fulfill. There are people that uh, you're supposed to be a blessing to, that you can be a blessing to. Loved ones, friends, co-workers, neighbors, people in your ministries. There's someone that God wants you to reach. He wants you to be a help. He wants you to bear fruit and by being kind to them. And he's counting on you to shine in your corner of the world. He may have a special place for you to serve him in the near future. A particular, unique role that nobody else can fill. That makes you valuable. It may be overseas. Reaching people who would never be reached if you wouldn't go. And you can be of great value to God there. Could be a value at the store, at work, in church, in your neighborhood, wherever, making a difference in someone's life. Never forget that you have value. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you are a child of God, you are of great value to the Lord, and don't doubt it. To think that you're worthless is to disagree with God. You're valuable because you're family, because you're his friend, because you have a function, a job to do. So let's be obedient children. Let's be good friends to him. And let's be branches that bear fruit for his glory. And if we have begun to think that we're significant, insignificant, or whether it's from our own failures or other people telling us that way, let's snap out of it and do our job. We've got something to do for the Lord. The devil wants us to be down and defeated so that we don't bear fruit. But God says we're of value. But the Bible also tells us who is of little worth. It's the wicked. The Bible says the, wicked of, uh, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. So if you've not been born again, I would say get saved. Then you'll have some value. Your life will be meaningful. And if you are saved, by not living a life that pleases the Lord, maybe you're a little irritated when people correct you. Why don't we confess those things to the Lord? Be clean so God can use us. Father, we pray you'd work in the invitation and that you'd speak to hearts. I hope you have. Maybe there's a few that really needed this today. And I pray that you'd um, be glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name.